Welcome to the Hanging Banners Podcast with your host, Tyler Witt. How about this block here by Tyler Witt? You're going to see him get out in front, and he's going to get a key block that springs this play. Jack Coachman. And here he is, having the time of his life. And Ryan Sartori. Maybe short, but he's thick. <laughs> that's, that's thick with two seats. Welcome back. It's Hanging Banners, episode 21. The boys are back together, Ryan Sartori. Jack Coachman and Tyler Witt all together for what might be the most important episode of this podcast's existence. Gentlemen, welcome back. Anyway, hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. hello howdy. <laughs> that was, that was, that was a very hearty howdy from you, Tyler Witt. And uh, for those, for those just listening, uh, Tyler is uh, sleeveless today, looking good. And Jack is sitting in the dark in a basement. So, the, the visual experience of this podcast is unmatched. You won't find this on any other platform, uh, just ours. And it is the best. There, there's, there's, there's no beating around the bush. We have the best visual setup in the podcast game. Um, today's a special episode. We're turning 21. And so to celebrate turning 21, we're all having some brews. We're all having some, some drinks. We're, we're having some fun and loosening up. Uh, this looks like water. Uh, but I promise that this is a special concoction that I've made. Just uh, vodka. No. <laughs> that ain't no water play, boy. Motherfucking <laughs> <laughs> great goose. <laughs> Baby. Uh, so uh, in college, I stumbled across the fact that like four locos were banned and very hard to find. And so I started making my own with energy drinks and Tito's. And so this is my concoction of a... Uh, rainbow sherbet, rain energy drink, and Tito's. But yeah, so that's what I'm starting with. What, what's the old adage? Uh, liquor before beer. You're in the clear. Beer before liquor, never sicker. So we've got beers coming later, but for right now, we've got a little liquor flowing. Uh, what's everybody drinking? I am rocking just traditional bush light. Wow. Yeah. Keep just it simple. Traditional. Classics. <laughs> Bush latte. Uh, Coach Coachman? I have with me a beautifully colored, uh, truly citrus punch hard seltzer. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man. Somehow For the people I... who like to treat their taste buds. There's I do have a beer if I need to get to it later. But uh, uh, This is this. also just a giant blue moon hat, actually. We are here on behalf of blue moon. <laughs> that was such a silly... Wait, I mean, I know we're going to get to it later, but this silly different beers that are all under the same parent company pretending they're different things, that was outrageous, right? Like, what a waste of my time seeing that. It was outrageous and kind of dumb. Yeah, like, I, I already know you're all the same company. You don't have to, like, fool me. It's not like, you thought this was a diet Pepsi commercial? It's actually a regular Pepsi commercial. Like, get out of here. I don't know. Uh, see, he's starting off angry. That's what I need this for. Right, just to chill out. Is my mic on? Oh boy, somebody Ooh. should have somebody should have checked this before we start. You know, that's a good point because it sounded a little strange. It's echoey. We were we were uh, too far removed. I, I didn't really process it. Uh, now that you mention it, I'm like, oh yeah. This is way better. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what it's nice. supposed to sound like. Yeah. See, StreamYard, which is what we record our podcast on, does this wonderful thing every once in a while where it just changes my settings. 
we've done 20 of these episodes and it's always been done on this microphone. Uh, and you know, it was picking up on the laptop audio. Tyler, uh, great ears, kid. I've tried, tried to really bring up my game to, to benefit the pod. So you're, you're picking up this audio shit fast. Yeah. You know, the places you can go. <laughs> he sacrificed um, some voice for some uh, hearing. Yes. Voice, <laughs> voice still gone, which is horrendous but <laughs> yeah this has been a long time like we the last episode we recorded was three weeks ago two weeks yeah. ago two weeks ago you're right you're right I, no all right was it three weeks ago two two weeks ago two was, weeks ago i don't feels like three weeks ago we and tyler it still is without voice so this is interesting all right to start the show today because we are we're, we're boozing we're drinking a little bit mm-hmm. i was curious if everybody would be willing to throw out their first drinking story and by first i mean your first time drinking not your first time legally drinking i will start if we're all on board yeah let's I'm do in. it uh, let me just get right. the, let me just get the feds on the line. All right, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> the statue of limitations is up. Uh, first time that I can remember drinking was a doozy. So I was working at the car wash uh, that I worked at for years and years and years, and uh, my buddy was having a party. I had to work late. I had to go to the party and catch up, and played catch up in just Hall of Fame fashion. Uh, was was really catching up fast with Fireball. Now, again, this is the first time I've ever drank and Fireball what? was the drink that I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. You're Let me sick. get this. Yeah, right. The big red chewing gum, but in liquid form <laughs> that surprisingly went down very smoothly. Um, and within an hour, an hour and a half, I was not two, not three, not four, not five, but like seven or eight sheets to the wind. I was gone, gone, gone. Um I remember uh, falling off the bed of a truck and chipping my tooth. I remember hiding under the same truck when they tried to get me to go inside the house. Uh, this is crazy. This is the first time ever. First we're time? not done. We're not done. No, this. Oh I, th- listen, at every party, there's an asshole. And I was the asshole that night. <laughs> I remember hiding under the truck when they tried to take me into the house. They did finally get me into the house where uh, I was laid in a, you know, like a, a bed on the floor or whatever. Like, this is where you're going to stay, you animal. And uh, <laughs> as they're getting ready to, like, walk out of the room, somebody goes, what's that smell? Oh no! Oh yeah, it's a commonly oh. known story, and I'll own up to it. I never heard this one. This is, I uh, I shit myself. Um, oh. Now the friend's house that I was at is still. I stood up in his wedding. Uh, we were best friends growing up. Like I didn't stand up to shit that night though. Um, but he gets me up, puts me in the shower, doesn't like unclothe me or anything except for taking my shirt off. I have. Uh, if you haven't guessed just by my general appearance, a very hairy body, he shaved my back. Wow. Um, and, and then took a video of me in the shower that still exists somewhere today. I hope that he does not share that ever, uh, with anybody for any circumstance, but that was <laughs> my experience. Uh, first time drinking, I shit myself. And you bat. drank a second time. That's yeah, I'm still doing it, man. I would have just turned around and been like, you know what? That's probably it for me. This, this is <laughs> in, not the path I want. In my life, I have shit myself drinking, given up on drinking completely for two years, and now revisited drinking again. I was there when he uh, he broke it. He broke his sobriety. When, was that was that in Purdue? Yeah, after Michigan State. After we upset Michigan State, 
we all decided to head out to where else the the town nightclub and we drank our we drank the night away in celebration so it was awesome that's right that was with your buddy who looks just like me yes we will have to post a picture of that to and get a poll because honestly it's very eerily it's, similar it's alarming especially when my beard's big like it's alarming how much him and i look alike anyway um who's up next on the docket for first time drinking I feel like Tyler, you've got to have a pretty good story. So I'm going to go in front of I you. Do. Mine sucks. So <laughs> I mean, it doesn't suck. It's the first time, right? Like first time is the first time. Uh, it was uh, midnight. I had just turned 21 and my parents put some drinks out. You're a bullshitter. There's no, I, no I'm way. Not, I'm not, you know, you know, some of my longtime friends, you ask them. I used to hang out with people who would drink and smoke. I'd be there. I'd stay over every now and then, you know, I'd go to the party stuff. Never drank until I was 21. So your, your parents were like, let's get some liquor out for this virgin. Right. No, they're, like, they're like, here, try some stuff. My friends came over uh, that night. So that was, you know, like technically the morning, I guess. And then that night they came over. And actually, one of the first drinks they're like, Jack, you got to try this was Fireball. And I'm like, this is a stupid thing. I'm probably staying away from this in the future. But uh, that was not one of the ones that my parents are like, this is what you should try first. No, they were no, a little bit kinder not. about it. So, yeah, there's my story. Fireball wow. sucks. Uh, if you've ever tried Goldschlager, that sucks. Uh, Malort is terrible. Jägermeister is terrible. Like I, I'll keep going down the list. There are some quality alcohols out there. The four that I just named have got to be like F tier, maybe below F tier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyler, oh. knock it, knock it yeah, out of the park here, kid. Bring us home. So I don't know if I can top Ryan's story, but I think the sheer quantity of beer consumed does knock Ryan out of the park. Um, so I was, uh, I'm not going to say how old I was. I was in high school. Um, me and my best I was friend, in high school too, just so we're on the same page. When I, my high school best friend and I, we, um, you know, we were ahead of the curve. We were a little, we were pretty smart guys. So we decided we were going to take our ACT early. Um, this happened to align with this huge presentation that we had to do for an, our English class where we had to perform an actual like act in a Shakespeare play. So we were prepping for this. We had to like memorize all of our lines. We had like some of us had multiple characters um, and then we had to perform in front of our class and we were dressed up. We had fake blood. So it was like a big, a big deal. Do you remember what play it was? Yeah. Othello. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. That's so, sick. so it was, it was actually really, really fun. We had a great time doing it, but it was just a lot of stress. And then, so we gave our presentation the very next day, me and him walked into the ACT blind, no prep, no nothing. We just walked in, took it to see what we got. <laughs> that it was safe to say we were pretty like, we were at our wits end that weekend. So he was like, great idea. I had, we'll invite everyone over to, to my house and we'll drink. And it was like my first time drinking. So it was like a big deal. It's like, yeah, I'll just spend the night there. Whatever. We go over there and his dad bought us two 30 racks of Miller light. And we crushed them within like two hours. How many people? Uh, it was like four of us. Oh, I, was gonna say, I thought it was just the two of you, but Jeez. still four is even I was, Only three oh, of us were drinking. God. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. And they were all gone. All gone. Not not one was left. We crushed them all. We were watching VHS, the the horror movie. Um, one of our friends threw up, and I drunkenly remember making fun of his throw up. But 
And then did yeah. you throw up after that? You're like, ah, fucking loser. <laughs> I did not throw up. I will gladly say that I, I did not throw up after. I don't even remember how many beers I had. It was a lot of beer, though. For the first time, I told my dad. My dad was like, oh. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty uh, listen that's a pretty accurate description of what kent witt would say <laughs> whoa oh, whoa so, yeah, i'm just on picturing here. you guys like losing your minds just yelling shakespeare quotes at each other on a saturday night with like two other people around <laughs> that's essentially how it was we i believe we were like chasing each other around with like you know the laptop cleaner the with like the little like nozzle mm-hmm we were like chasing each other around, like spraying it at each other. That was, I mean, it was 16. They were so, also doing whippets at this party. I guess we, we I didn't know. do whippets. We didn't do whippets. <laughs> <laughs> no oh whippets. Straight All right. This has been years. a very incriminating open to the podcast. <laughs> we still have so much more to come, so much more uh, to go in this, in this show. Uh, so let's get to what feels normal here and let's go with count your wins. Who's got a win for the week. Oh, we all do. Right. I hope I'm, I'm going <laughs> to well, last because mine rolls into my intercepted at the goal line. Listen, so, um, listen, we we've been doing this for <laughs> the better part of five months. Of course, we've all got a win. At least we should all have a win, right? Especially after like a two and a half week with long time. Something, something have to happen. Tyler, you'll let's just say, hey, listen, I'm just trying to hand it off to, Anybody who wants to talk, <laughs> I'm going to go last because it goes with my intercepted at the goal line. So uh, I'll go from count your wins to intercepted at the goal line. If you don't right. mind. Yeah, yeah I, I could kick it off then. Uh, I have another short one. I'm sure I had a better win, but you know, it just when you, when we get these long breaks between, I, I forget sometimes what happens in the middle, but I remember what didn't happen prior to our previous episode, which was sunlight in the state of Illinois. Uh, my win is that in Illinois, we have seen the sun for multiple days in the last week for the first time since I think early November. Yep. They were saying we had like six days of sunlight between late November and the end of January or something. And I did have a trip to Florida, you know, in between. So that brought me personally some sunlight. But yesterday uh, and Saturday, I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there are colors in the world again. So <laughs> <laughs> and this is our first coming out of winter podcast that we've ever had to do. And it is nice to have the sun. Well, not only that, but also the sun is coming up at like a reasonable time again. Like it's not yes. like 730 before you see the sun this morning. I was uh, I, I was working and it was 645 and it wasn't dawn. It was like the sun was out. There were birds chirping. It was like, oh, my God. And it's 50 degrees today in yeah. Illinois. Doesn't get dark at like 4 p.m. anymore. This global warming shit might not be so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I got to think about that one, but I'll, I'll take it for now. Yeah, yeah. The sun. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Shit, you know, I'm, I'm living in the short term here, not the long term. I'm here <laughs> for time, a good not time, a long not time. a long time. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. That's the global warming anthem. Uh, okay, so <laughs> yesterday was the Super Bowl. We're recording on Monday, the 13th of February, uh, which means... One very, very important thing. The first speaking of, you know, more sunlight and the, you know, the sun being around longer during the day. Another harbinger of spring is upon us as today, the 13th of February, 2022 of our Lord. Uh, pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training. Baseball season is technically here and also right around the corner. And uh, it's fun to know that like, Football ends, baseball begins, and basketball never mattered at all this year. 
And we got, uh, what, uh, college softball opening day was last week. Baseball opening day is at the end of this week, I think, for college. Yep. So actual games also happening before MLB's ready. That and yeah, and uh, hats off to any like the Midwest teams that have to play right now. Yeah, you'll have like oh, your snowbird classics and stuff in Florida or whatever. <laughs> but people undoubtedly play games in March and April in Northern Illinois. And yeah, it's nice today. We mentioned it's 50 degrees on the 13th, but like it's not gonna be. It, there's <laughs> going to be days where it's like 20 degrees. I remember last year we played a slow pitch tournament in uh, in Wheeling, Illinois, and the wind chill that day when we were playing was negative seven. That's Gross. no good. That's no good. It's not Gross. good at all. We don't have torpedo heaters. We don't have like heated benches and shit. Like if you were a D1 football player at like, Purdue hot in Western Kentucky or something. <laughs> yeah, you've got hot hands that are barely working. You're like, <laughs> you've got high, you, <laughs> your fingertips are turning black. It's it's it was awful. Um, but my win for the week is that baseball season is back. Anybody who knows me knows that this is wheelhouse season for me. I'm getting very excited. I got to start doing some diving into who I think might win the divisions and stuff like that. That's always a, a fun little video for me to make is like what my predictions are for the year. So be on the lookout for that too. put that out on the hanging banner stuff. Uh, but it's here and I, I couldn't be more excited for it. And I think, I think the Cubs can, can be, serviceable this year better than last year maybe maybe even finish with a better better record than the Sox this year but who knows i like to think that ryan has one of those like rivalry clocks that like michigan and ohio state have to the countdown to pitchers and catchers every year and it's just running all year round just waiting for it <laughs> well and you know how like in the ohio state locker room they'll put like uh uh, Michigan jerseys on the floor and they're walking on Michigan jerseys. That's me, but with basketball jerseys. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> My God. Listen, just wait. Cause later in the show, I'll show you that I actually care uh, about the, the big happenings in basketball. I don't really watch it on the same level that I do football or baseball. I care about basketball, but it's one of my favorite bits that I do every year. I'll, I'll put at the, the end of, the Super Bowl. Oh, it's baseball season. Inevitably, somebody will come along and be like, no, 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 no. We still have months left of basketball and it's just getting good. Like, what do you mean? Like basketball still matters. And I'll go back and forth with them. It's a bit. I love to do it. I got somebody to bite on it last night. It was it's just it's one of my favorite things. Baseball has two weeks a year. You get like the last week of March or first week of April, whenever it starts. And then like the second week of October when it's like, oh, the playoffs objectively the first or second week of the season of a baseball season suck but Those at are, least it's like a, oh baseball's back like you're excited for the fact that it's back it's fun to have it back it's fun to like see all the new faces in the different places but like when everybody is like 10 and 2 or like five and six, like that's like their records you're like this feels weird i don't like this yet <laughs> and baseball really doesn't get going until you know late April, May, June. Like those are like, that's the, the wheelhouse for baseball. And then obviously October as well, but that's my win for the week. Baseball is back. Well, I'm glad you have some joy because I'm enjoying myself right now as well. I am currently on the longest vacation I've ever had since, uh, since college football. Uh, I started college football. I'm going on my second week off from doing anything sports related. It feels very weird. I don't know what to do with my time, but I can enjoy not worrying about like doing anything physical. So 
it's a little bit it's a little weird for me to say but i'm i'm enjoying it um yeah that's that's my win for the week it's not it's not much but it'll make sense when we get to intercepted at the goal line which if you're ready to roll over to that we can definitely do that yeah. some, like, transition um, music on that'll work that that wait hold on everybody pause jack do that again I'm going to isolate that and we're going to use that as a transitional noise. Anyway, um, Tyler, I know you got some heavy stuff to share with us. So the floor is yours, man. Yeah. So the reason I'm on my longest vacation I've been on since college football is I was cut from the DC defenders on last Monday. So it's been, it's been, it's not the worst of the week. It's just been like one really bad week for, for me. Um, considering I played football, since I was a kid since second grade and it's been like a constant in my life for so long. And, you know, it got taken away from me. So it's a little, it's a little weird. It's uh, uncomfortable to have to think about um, other stuff. Um, Unfortunately, because of the XFL schedule and where it's positioned with the CFL and all the other leagues, um, you know, the, the odds are not in my favor to, to, be back on a CFL roster for, for the season. Um, also, um, you know, it's extremely unlikely unless someone gets hurt and I get a call that I won't play in the XFL. So I could be out of football for a, a potentially a long time, or, you know, it's still a thought that I, I might retire. So it is a, uh, it's been a very heavy week, very difficult week to try to figure out what, what my next step is. And, uh, where to, where to go from here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's no right words to throw your way. I mean, I called you the day that it happened. You know how highly I think of you. I think everybody knows how highly I think of you. We've, we've talked about it on the show a lot. Um, I think you're an incredible person and being cut from a football roster sucks, but it never takes away from the person that you are. I think that's one thing that you kind of have to fall back on is like, you're still you, you still matter and you're still awesome. Um, football or not. Right. Like, and, and, from somebody who's experienced it in the past 365 days, like sometimes you have an awful, awful setback for the most major comeback that you could possibly have. Um, It's all there. It's all possible. Things can happen quickly and out of nowhere. And you have no idea for what reason or for why. Uh, But I think we have a small community here that tune in and listen to us every week. And I think everybody's invested in your story and everybody's rooting for you. And, you know, I, I, you know, Jack and I are are definitely rooting for you. So um, it sucks. That's the only way to put it. Right. Like, I'm not going to be like, it's okay. You're fine. It sucks. It does. Uh, But you still matter. We still love you, man. I appreciate it. And it's, you know, it's part of the business. So you have to kind of expect it. And I've never, been in that position before. Like, I, I guess you could say like when I was in rookie mini camp, like I, I guess like I didn't get an invite back that you could consider that being cut or I, I, I guess, but like to, to this extent, like, you know, like you watch on hard knocks and they're like, bring your iPad to this room or to see coach. And you, you know, you go in the office and you sit down and have a meeting with them and you know, that you're getting cut. Mine just happened to be at six 30 in the morning and it woke me up. So it was like the most, like horrible circumstances. Like you wake up on an off day. So we didn't even have really anything going on. Uh, I thought I was just going to kick back and relax for the day. And I turn over and my phone says, bring your iPad down. I'm like, 
damn, I'm getting, I'm getting cut today. So it's very, uh, like I said, just a lot of emotions, a lot of, a lot of different things I'm sorting through, but, uh, you know, we're, we're still here and we're taking no day at a time. Oh, I'll ask just because general curiosity, I'm sure others might have the same thought on the top of their head was, was, was there a, a face-to-face meeting or was it just a text and like, see you later? No, it was a, it was a face-to-face meeting. Okay. Um, it was like, come down to this hotel room, bring your iPad and the charger. So you go down there and I was up right away. So I just went right down there and they wanted me to wait like 20 minutes. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk in. I'd rather rip off the bandaid now than wait 20 minutes. Yeah. Cause that's 20 minutes of torture. Especially yeah. if you know, you have the feeling already. Right. Right. So I went in and uh, what it boiled down to is they didn't want to have two undersized centers on the same roster, um, which is very unfortunate um, considering I was running with the twos and, was doing really well. I thought so, um, you know, sometimes it comes at you from a place that you don't, don't even see it coming. So that probably, that made it a little tougher on me, I guess. And, you know, I really enjoyed my teammates there. So. Like I said, man, sometimes there's a major, major setback for a major comeback. I know that's a cliche, but like, you're also a football guy and like, that's the land of the cliches. Um, Cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers to that. Anyway, um, I, anytime that there's a pouring out and like a in a negative way of emotion or whatever, I always think that it's just it's difficult to move on from that. It's difficult to like, all right, now we're going to transition away from it. But um, we're all thinking about you, man. Um, no, and now, sure. now Jack and I are going to say what uh, sucked for us this week. And it's going to matter a whole lot less than what you said, uh, but we're still going to, we're still going to talk about it. Um, so I will, I'll go because I'm already talking. Um, the Brooklyn nets intercepted at the goal line, right? Here we go. Talking about some basketball. We can, we can get in on, on, on this all together. Uh, not only did they trade James Harden last year, uh, they've also now traded, uh, Kevin Durant, and they've also traded Kyrie Irving away from the team. So this super team that everybody thought was destined for an NBA finals victory has now been dissolved in under two years. And I think that that is objectively hilarious when you got all of those personalities together, Harden, Irving and Durant and expected it to work. Maybe it's low hanging fruit instead. Like maybe this is where that should be. But I also think that, you know, this is a a team that fell short. And I don't know that there's ever been one um, that failed as hard as this version did. Yeah. There's been super teams all over the place. This one sucked the worst. I think that I want to say it was Kevin Clark from the ringer. I don't know. There's somebody I saw tweet uh, when Kevin Durant got traded that this is probably one of the biggest failures in professional sports history right it's like they they committed to creating this team of three people who it wasn't like they had a star and they wanted to build around they brought everybody in for a task and they had to cut it so quick for a combination of reasons right it's like if covid doesn't hit and you know Kyrie doesn't have his stance against vaccination or if Harden can't you know he isn't able to look past that he's like all right I don't want to deal with the fact that this guy is supposed to be important on our team and can't play half the time get me out of here 
And then they're like, well, let's get Kyrie out of here for something. And then Kevin Durant's like, well, I'm not sticking around if you get rid of everyone else. Like they also left a poor taste in all of their stars mouths. It wasn't like a disappointing, ah, dang, it didn't work. This was like an atomic bomb of a failure that I think (laughs) we're going to, it was so bad that they were supposed to be like a short-term dynasty. And I honestly think in six or seven years, we might not even remember that this team existed. I think that we'll always remember that this team existed. I think that it's it's the complete inverse. It's like a too big to fail kind of deal. Like he, it's like the anti LeBron big three. Like he, he went on to win a bunch of championships and you were probably like Ryan said, the statistically you're probably going to forget that they were even a super team. Yeah. Well, they, they weren't, they weren't a super team by any stretch of the imagination, other than the fact that they had a big three, but like, it was it was it was destined for failure from the beginning, was it not? Like you had three of the biggest personalities in the NBA, three of uh, maybe two of the most outspoken people in all of professional sports as it relates to opinions and such with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. <clears throat> James Harden, not as much, but like can can, you know, occasionally still draw and garner um some question marks around his, 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 his play style and things like that, uh, especially towards the end there in Houston. But I, I don't know. I don't think that we're ever going to forget that this team was a thing because I think that we'll always remember it as the biggest failure a big three has ever had. Like it'll be, this will be the opposite of the golden state 2016, the opposite of the LeBron and company in Miami. Like this is the antithesis of that. Yeah, that could be. That could be. It definitely is one where, when you think about it too, the it somehow hurt the franchise so much more than any of the individual pieces that were a part of it, right? Like, we all still know those three players are great. This doesn't really affect any of their legacies too much. It's not like any one of them was tasked with, you're going to bring this team to a title, and if you don't, it's a failure. It was such a joint effort by the players that now you look and you go, okay, KD's on the Suns. They are... I think title favorites are second in the West. Uh, you've got Kyrie with Luca on the Mavericks. We're going to wait to see how that pans out, but they should be pretty good. And then you've got Harden and Philly, who are they're one of the you know front runners in the East. That all of these guys are going to come out of it fine, like you have in your intercepted. Brooklyn is really the only loser in the situation, right? Well, but I, I mean, maybe it's just a great PR stance for James Harden to have gotten out when he got out, because I think for the other two players in the situation, Irving and, and Durant, it kind of adds to their kind of tainted legacy, right? Like everybody sees Kevin Durant as this guy who left OKC to join an, a team that was already a super team to pursue a title, won a couple of titles out there, and then left again to pursue another super team in Brooklyn. And now he asked to be traded to what is now another super team in, in Phoenix. Kyrie, the same thing, like adds to his legacy of like, I'm going to stay here. I want to stay here for a long time. Asked to get traded. I want to stay here. I want to stay for a long time asked to get traded, right? Like what, what was it uh, uh, from Boston? He got traded out and now from Brooklyn, he was traded out. There was another team that he got traded out of too, but like, he's been so all over the place that I don't remember all the teams he's played for. Uh, but I think of anything that it's more of a, a continual tainting of the legacies of Durant and Irving and also a giant INT on the goal line for the Nets, but they also recouped like something like seven first round draft picks. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Maybe it's more of a wash for them than anything. Like they they're free of the money. They're free of the egos. They're able to rebuild and kind of reset some things there in Brooklyn. I don't know, but for, I just felt the need to bring it up and that that super team was such a massive failure that maybe that in and of itself is the intercepted part. That's totally fair. No, that's right. Basketball talk from Ryan Sartori. I love to hear it. Again, I follow the macro (laughs) stuff. Uh, all right, intercepted the goal. I might not. I keep saying I don't like pressing, prefacing everyone with this is going to be quick, but this is going to be quick because my intercepted at the goal line is uh, a 94 year old man by the name of George Toma. Uh, he's referred to as the sod father because he's been involved in the preparation of every Super Bowl, uh, many Pro Bowls, Kansas City Royals, Oakland Athletics, Kansas City Chiefs, maybe all sorts of different sporting events where he's in charge of the groundskeeping and the maintenance of the sod the grass the turf whatever's going on well the super bowl was slippery a lot of players were slipping and falling and even if it wasn't we don't know exactly why it is especially because arizona's had the super bowl before and it hasn't really been you and i'm pretty sure they've got that system where they bring the field to the stadium right like they can regrow outside and bring it in so this guy with the praise legacy and there were tweets about him in the morning about how this is going to be Another Super Bowl where he's in charge. Uh, not a great look to see all the players falling down. And I want to put some positive spin by honoring the real sod father in uh, turf and grass management in professional sports. That is the White Sox, Roger Bossert, who uh, reclaims his title of the goat of sod keeping and groundskeeping. <laughs> Sorry, George Toma. You're gone. Retire at the age of 94. <laughs> Dead at 94. I can say dead. He's too old to say dead at. Uh, <laughs> you can only say dead at. I think about the people who you're pretty sure aren't going to die anytime soon. <laughs> Shit. Well, and that's kind of a beautiful transition into what we have to talk about now is the Super Bowl. And um, on that, it, it's it's an intertwining of a bunch of different segments that we have here, because as you bring up the 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 sod and the playing field that was used at the Super Bowl, I will bring up uh, my low hanging fruit as we transition into Super Bowl talk, uh, which is a tweet from Oklahoma State University. They put out um, this kind of press releasey type tweet that says the Super Bowl is being played on OK State turf grass. And they put like a big link oh, to no. it. And like, they were like, Oh, we're so proud that the grass being used in this super bowl is from Oklahoma state. And the comments are exactly what you think it would be. The replies to this tweet are just mwah, like chef's kiss type stuff. Like this didn't age well. And uh, maybe you should go back to the drawing board. And this isn't the flex that you think it is Oklahoma state. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other part of this, the other component to this is that there was a report by uh, a gentleman named Joe Pompliano who says that the NFL spent two years preparing the grass for the field at the Super Bowl last night. Uh, the grass is was grown at a local sod farm in Phoenix. It was installed at State Farm Stadium two weeks ago, and the field has been rolled out each morning for daily sunshine. The total cost for this field that was played on last night and this is uh, credit to actually uh, Colby Marcio for sending me this tweet and that we're using this on the podcast right now. What a crazy world this is. Uh, the total costs for the field that was played on last night, $800,000 for all those slips and footing mishaps and everything. Tyler, if you're a player and you're playing on that field, how much does that impact 
play calling? How much does that impact your confidence in yourself and your own footing and like the things that you're willing to do during the game? I mean, it's definitely something that you think about when you're when you're out there, right? You don't want to slip. If you're on the ground, your odds are like you, you you could get someone hurt and you're going to mess up the play. So uh, you, you really have to be conscious of how you're moving, how you're running on the surface. Um, and typically they have like multiple pairs of cleats for guys to wear to try to figure out what will give them the best footing. And I think you kind of saw like after the half, there wasn't as much. Um, but I th- one of the, one of my favorite shots from the, from the whole night was there was a shot of the sideline and there was just a pile of cleats um, on the Eagles sideline. Just, they were just like, screw these cleats. I don't fucking want them. Give me the, give me the other ones. Give me the longer so, cleats. Yeah. Yeah. The longer ones, um, typically like studded cleats. Uh, when I was at Purdue, since we played on grass, they made us wear seven stud cleats every week um, just to have better footing. Um, I'm kind of biased. I don't really, I really hate them. Um, I prefer my, my mud hogs is what I call them. Um, they're just these big freaking tanks of shoes. Let them um, eat them hogs. That is the heavy. most offensive lineman name for a shoe that I've ever heard. <laughs> mud hogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's intense. Yeah, but it does play, it does play a factor. And I think you could tell at certain points in the first half that the the slips were like frustrating, were really frustrating the players and impacting their performance. Well, and you worry about injuries and stuff like that with all of thank God nobody was uh, severely injured last night. Uh, and we're going to do wall to wall Super Bowl coverage here. So, I mean, I want to talk national anthem, halftime show commercials and stuff like that. But let's talk about the game first. Um, MVP went to Patrick Mahomes, but the MVP of the game probably should have went to the Toradol shot that was given to Patrick Mahomes at halftime because right before half, there was uh, a, a re-aggravation of the ankle injury that had been plaguing Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Uh, and he came out of the locker room spry and ready to run. He ripped off like a 25-yard run in the middle of that second half. Uh, so MVP in my book goes to the nerve blocker or tore it all shot that Patrick Mahomes got at, at halftime. Yeah. From personal experience, they, they change your life. Um, <laughs> and they see, and the story that you told me uh, of, of your experience was something that I told others at work today. I was like, you don't understand how much you're able to do when you've got like a, a horse tranquilizer in your ankle. It's not really a horse tranquilizer, no, but it is, it is a, it is a nerve block um, for, to, I'll just give you the story real quick. It's not super long. Um, in 2019, we we're playing in our bowl game against Western Michigan. Um, the first responders bowl in the, fr- uh, towards the end of the second quarter, I, the running back got tackled into my ankle and it was, I rolled it. I was running on and off the field trying to get different tape jobs on my ankle so that it would work without hurting. And that, that hurt so bad. Um, so at halftime, they gave me a, a nerve blocker and gave me a tour all. And I was good to go. I ran out of the tunnel and uh, I was good. By the end of the half, I was, I was pretty spent and I couldn't really stand on it, but uh, luckily we got, got away with the win, but so that you know like to the extent like you could patrick mahomes was was definitely on 
nerve block <laughs> and probably something way better than what we had at Western Kentucky. Let me tell you, not, not to the extent that Aaron Rodgers was when he picked up that Southern accent out of nowhere, but he was definitely, he was definitely enjoying his life in the second half. Yeah. I mean, and the colors still, were brighter. The songs sounded better. He, <laughs> you could still tell it hurt. And that's part of the process too, is that it still hurts. It's just not as bad. Um, and I mean, it, it was a true performance by him to, to really like gut it out like that and the scrambles that he did. And I mean, he got tackled at one point and it was really awkward on his ankle and he just freaking walked it off. I mean, he, he really put on a performance shout out to the doc though. Yeah. And don't let my comments take away from the fact that he actually had a phenomenal game. He did. He was, he was great in the Super Bowl, uh, as anyone would expect Patrick Mahomes would be, but also you have to tip your cap a little bit to the team doctor for keeping him on the field. But, um, in all Jack coachman, your thoughts from Super Bowl 57. Oh, I thought it was an amazing game. I'm just processing. I, I haven't actually heard enough about this nerve block stuff. So this is opening up new avenues in my mind, but uh, the actual, the actual Super Bowl, I thought, no, it was great. It, well, what more could you want? They were scoring early. They were scoring offense. Uh, the defense gets a touchdown in, right? Good special teams plays. I, I personally didn't think there were too many. Uh, if any, I, I don't really think that there were any missed calls. I don't think there were any officiating problems that were like literally by the book wrong, which is of course something you'd love to have happen in the Super Bowl. There's no right. issues there. Um, and I thought that a lot of players that you wouldn't expect to play well if you're a casual football fan played really well, right? If you don't watch every NFL game or, or follow all the narratives, like seeing an Isaiah Pacheco have a great game or seeing Kadarius Tony have a great Pacheco. game, right? even like Devonta Smith, like was super involved, got a ton of targets. And even though we three and probably lots of other people know that these are players who are good, are athletic and have been known talents, at least for, a couple months at minimum. It's nice to see that it wasn't just all like Mahomes to Kelsey and Hurts to uh, AJ Brown and well, and it was and- it was at one point Hurts to AJ Brown. That catch on the little uh, uh, I don't even know what to call that. The I guess the post route, but it was opposite. I forget what exactly that's called. But like that little just up over your head, a touchdown, uh, forty two yards from Hurts. Like that was on your head. That was a, a phenomenal play. And the reason that I know that this was a good game is I, I watched it with Nikki and Nikki alone last night. And she was like, this is a really good game. Like she was involved in every play and was, was, you know, loving it. And so that's how I know that that was a good game because she, she was wrapped up in every yard that was happening. Uh, when you talk about some of the players that maybe not everybody knows, but had a great game. I specifically look at Kansas city side of the football, Andrew Wiley had a phenomenal game, uh, a guard for Kansas city. And also Nick Bolton, yep. the, the Kansas city linebacker Mizzou product, I believe had an awesome, awesome game. And I, I, you know, I think maybe those are two reasons why the chiefs prevailed in this one, but I love that it went down to the final minute. I love that there was strategy involved with the, the clock at the end of the game. It showed that there was actual mental prowess on display as well from both teams and growth from Andy Reed. If there's one thing that you could ding him for in his career, especially early on is that he wasn't the best clock manager, but he showed that he's learned he's studied and uh, it, it, it showed at the end of that game. Um, again, I I'm with you, Jack. I think that this was a phenomenal game. Start to finish. I've got a, a tactics question for you. Cause I have a friend that I was texting and then another person I was at 
uh, party watching the Super Bowl with that disagreed. And I, I found myself firmly on one side. Nine and a half minutes left in the game. Uh, and Kansas City scores a touchdown to go up 34 to 27. Do you go for two or do you go for one? I think probably the safe play is for one, right? Like that's the safe play, but you're also in the Super Bowl. Because that's what they ended up doing with nine and a half minutes, right? They, they, went, they went up 35-27, which made it a, an eight-point game. So you still need the touchdown. You need the two-point conversion. The alternative would be you go up nine, make it a two-score game, but risk only going up seven, and the other team could play to win. Tyler, where do you stand on that? I think it checks out. I mean, with that much time left, you just assume like, especially you got to think in the second half, the chiefs scored on every drive. So they knew they were cooking. I think that if they knew once they got the ball back, it was going to be over. So, so you, you, you like the point after there? I, I, I like the one. Gotcha. Okay. I, I was just interested. That's what the people that I was watching the Super Bowl with all uh, pretty much said. And the person I was texting and I both I were firmly in the go for two camp there, right? The one score to two score, especially both of these teams were very successful, not only in this game, but all season long in short yardage situations, which I, I mean, I guess you could call a two point conversion that even though there's a little more intensity to it. Uh, but that was just one that I had kind of like, oh, I want to get more people's opinions on this throughout the week. Cause I think in that moment you go for the two, you go up nine and that forces the other team to score twice to win. Well, and that's just the kind of like the thing about football right now is we're in a situation where it's like damned. If you do damned, if you don't like, if you go for two and you don't come up with it, well then they're trailing by a point Seven. going into the final. Well, uh, when, when Philly goes down and scores and they get their two point conversion and go up by uh, a point or, or whatever, like, now, now, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, like, there's a lot of situations where I'm okay with it uh, that a team goes for one or goes for two or whatever because it's it's really, in my opinion, it's kind of a coin flip. Um, so, I, I, didn't, head I didn't jump, mind right? it. Is it yeah, Andy Reid's got his finger on the pulse? So, he, like, like kind of like you said, Tyler, the offense is cooking in the second half. Hit Mahomes, Reid, they have a better read on uh, what, what should they do with momentum and everything. But, uh, yeah, no, that was just – that was one of my – questions that I had thought about after the game. There was another one. We'll see if I remember it. I can't think of what it is at the moment. So throwing it back to you, Ryan. Well, thank you for throwing it back to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, listen, top to bottom, it was, it was a great game. Um, I, we have to talk about though, the penalty at the end of the game, because I think, I think that we're all going to be on the same page about this. Um, there's a lot of people saying that it changed the course of the game. It probably did. Um, I didn't have an issue with it. I didn't, it, it didn't seem like something that was so egregiously impactful to the game. There was a lot of opportunities given a lot of leeway given during the course of the game. I think the um, definition of a catch showed itself a little bit in this game. That might be a, a little bit more egregious of uh, a, a blunder in this game rather than the kind of ticky tack holding call at the end of the game. James Bradbury came out and said that he held on, was it Juju Smith Schuster? He was covering, he came out and said that he held him. So yeah. like, I think that type of that, that play right there, can kind of just get washed away and absolved. And like, we can get, we can get past that. What we need to focus on though, is the fact that catches in the Super Bowl were just, we think, or we don't think, you know, a five minute replay session on that Devonta Devonta Smith catch down the right sideline. 
ends up being uh, an incomplete pass because they've got more camera angles than they would in the regular season. That's a regular season catch. I think it stands as a catch or at least, or at least the, the, the call on the field stands, but because they've got 37 cameras fixated on Devonta Smith, they found one little, you know, video uh, uh, clip where they're like that. Ah, that's it. That's it. It's incomplete. And I think that that's kind of, but that not, was the, not my uh, favorite thing. That was the like didn't complete the catch nose of the ball touched the ground one was the Devonta Smith one. Yeah, where, he, like, where it was it was down in, the sideline. Yeah, I, I thought he had four feet. I thought it was one, two, three, four football move and then to the ground. In my mind, that's a catch. And then he went to the ground and the ball moved. The one, two, three, four football move in my head is a catch. But then you also have Dallas Goddard going to the sideline with a half of a one foot bobbled up against his head, gets the other foot down. And somehow that's a catch. It didn't make sense to me. It's very divisive. I think like, like Jack said, I mean, you have 27 different angles, right? And you know, it's it's hyper fixated because this is the biggest game of the year. Everyone's watching this game. So they want to try to get it right. But at the same time, like for those fans who've been watching all year, it's the same things consistently every year. It's, what is a catch? And, you know, how many feet did he have in bonds before uh, he was pushed out? Right. Or what? Essentially, it's what is a catch? And it, 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 the definition changes every year, I think, just a little bit. And it just makes it so skewed. It's like throughout everything. Yeah. No, I mean, go ahead, Jack. I, I think going on the, the Smith one, I, I don't think that's anything that's changed. I think that's something that has gotten lost in the shuffle of the catch thing. But the, the, always the discussion has revolved around that. Like you have to complete the motion, right? Whether that's like completing the second foot inbounds or like when you go to the ground, making sure you keep the ball. And I, I don't think that is anything that was different. I think it just feels weird because we have learned all these different phrases as it pertains to a catch that you think if you can check one or two of the boxes that you remember, you're good, right? Like he had, I think it was, you know, he was making the catch with the first step and a half. So he's really got like like two and a half steps in and everyone's like, well, that's good. It's like, but you have to like keep the control. You have to finish the football move, which is in one sentence. You now have said two feet, uh, maintain going to the ground and football move, which are three different items that don't all always get brought up because sometimes they can mean the same thing. Uh, So I think it's still more of like a PR problem than a game problem. I don't think it affects the game too much, but I don't think it's great that fans are now again for the first time majorly in probably six or seven years. Like we have no idea what it catches. We finally got to a point where we all had a decent grasp. Um, But I, I don't think the NFL has a game problem with it. I actually think they managed both of those reviews and replays well, uh, the Dallas Goddard one, I would have, I thought was going to get overturned, but I always know that the officials will default to the cowardice of if we're not sure it stands, even if we're like 99%, it's incomplete. Like if we can't say a hundred, we can't say a hundred, which that's the rule. But I, I really thought they were going to overturn the Goddard one because of the bobble. Um, the only play that I had an issue with in the Super Bowl was the Goddard catch. Yeah. I could see the Devonta thing because if you're not counting, like I had one, two, three, four football move and then to the ground where the ball moved. But if I saw it wrong or I'm not an NFL official, if I saw it wrong and the ball moved, then that's an incomplete pass when he goes to the ground. Think about your, think about if it was an open field, right? If he makes, if he gets four steps and goes to the, as he's going to the ground, like it hits the ground, like 
they're going to review that. And it's really about like, when is the possession had? Right. And I think the problem with the angles when he's going diagonal is you're watching like feet versus hands are too detached. I, I don't mean to get too into the weeds on it. I'm just like sure. revisualizing the play in my head now. I, I, I think again, said it a bunch of times, but just to kind of put a bow on the football side of things, a great game, Kansas city, um, <laughs> Travis Kelsey would tell you that nobody thought Kansas City would win the Super Bowl. Oh my God! Uh, what everybody? I don't think I don't think ever, anybody had Kansas City winning the Super Bowl this year. I don't think anybody picked them as the favorite, which is I think what he was trying to get at. But it's also kind of crazy and a little psychotic to believe that like a team with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes couldn't compete for a Super Bowl. Everybody thought that they would be able to compete, but nobody had picked them to win the Super Bowl, which is what I think he was trying to get at. But still came off a little like nobody believes in us. We were the underdogs. Like, listen, <laughs> hey, Travis, you guys are the Kansas City Chiefs of the modern era. Everybody believes in you guys. Yeah, that was that was idiotic. Three Super Bowls in four years. Number one team in the AFC coin flip on a neutral site against the number one team in the NFC. Also, certainly people were picking them throughout the season, even because your preseason picks were all falling apart by week six and seven when you realize the AFC West was kind of a hoax altogether. So it just is like, dude, no, I, I will never understand that athlete's mentality. He probably went to like some corner store in Philadelphia and asked everyone, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? And they're all like the Eagles. And he's like, see, no one believes the chiefs can win. A hundred percent of the people that I polled said we wouldn't win. Yeah. My God. The Tyler final thoughts on the Super Bowl, uh, the football side of things. I, uh, I really enjoy the game. I thought, especially paying attention to the offensive line side of things, the trenches were gritty. This whole game, freaking guys flying off the ball, moving bodies. It was it was absolute carnage up front on both sides, both very good offensive lines. And I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. It was really great football. Carnage, hell of a word. Also, I, I'm putting things together as we talk about the Kelsey's. And as I hear you speak, you're sounding very J- Jason Kelsey like today. It does actually sound kind of similar with your voice. Yeah. I can, I can, the I the can. look, the voice, the fact that your video is a little blurred right now. Like you could, you could definitely mistake this podcast for gridiron Heights at the moment. <laughs> except, to elevate. Well, except, except for Jack and I look nothing like Travis Kelsey. So uh, we move on. Uh, the Super Bowl obviously has a bunch of pop culture iconography all around it. Uh, before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to generations, uh, a, a uh, local brewery in Freeport, Illinois. They have phenomenal beer. If you can try it, this is uh, hella good. Got a little bee on it. It's a uh, it's a wonderful beer. Is there honey a, in it? It's it's lager and it's brewed with honey. Local honey in Freeport. Um, I've tried a bunch of their beer. It's all lined up right here. Also, shout out to Tolina Brewing Company. Uh, no free ads, but also free ads when the beer is really good. This is free ads, yeah. This is 100% uh, free advertising. The, the national anthem. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, I, I, you, you Freeport. I, are they the pretzels? Is that the school that has the pretzels as their uh, mascot? Yeah, okay. That's all right, right, now we can move back. Generations just, also has a pretzel city beer, which is brewed with pretzels. Um nice. This is very good. The national anthem. Chris Stapleton did it. Uh, it made Nick Sirianni cry. It made Jason Kelsey cry. It was that was maybe, shocking. The Sirianni shot was I, I was going crazy at that. It was it was it was more tears than No Sean Moreno. But here's my question: 
Do you think it was the national anthem or do you think it was his first Super Bowl as a young head coach? A super, it was definitely the first Super Bowl as a right? young head coach. It's everything. It's also fun to imagine that he was just crying because like, Chris Stapleton did patriotic. that good of a job singing the national anthem. It's a new bra- It's a new bar. Chris Stapleton saying that national anthem like no one's ever sung before. And I'm a person who's heard a lot of national anthems going to sporting events, calling sporting events, being a spectator at a sporting event. Like I, I've seen a lot of national anthems. That was the best one I've ever seen. We had too many songs before the game that I think I, by the time the national anthem rolled around, I wasn't even listening too much to it. Cause that was, that was the third song we heard, right? Lift, your voice, after, lift, lift every voice and sing. And then America, America the, the beautiful. beautiful. And yeah. then the national anthem. So by the time that he came out, I honestly had, I saw him and I'm like, Oh, Chris Stapleton is doing the national anthem. I'm like, wait, we didn't hear the national anthem yet. We've heard so much singing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, I, I appreciated the, the uh, rendition that he did that you got to have some creativity, but. I'd be lying if I could tell you that I remembered any national anthem singer from a Super Bowl. It was better than Fergie's national anthem. <laughs> that wasn't the, that was NBA, right? Yeah, it was the, the NBA, NBA All Star game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bar I mean, is the floor with that. <laughs> if you're talking about how iconic it is, that's a different story. Well, yeah, I, I think that this national anthem can be put in the same category as the Prince halftime show. Like, I think that's how good it was. And working in country radio today, it was the only thing that, that could be talked about. It was overwhelming. And to me, I had to work yesterday, so I didn't see the other two songs. I walked in like two sentences into the national anthem and was just immediately like, wow, Chris Stapleton can really sing. <laughs> Uh, and then obviously the first half happens. Uh, the commercials in the first half snooze fest. Who was the, one of the commercials was playing. I think it was in the first half and it was not a new commercial. There were a few companies that did this over the course of it. Commercials that have been airing for like two months. And I'm like, I, yes, do it up. You're in the super bowl. I have a bone to pick with capital one. Is that what it was? Yes. The, Capital One has been running the stupid Taylor Swift commercial. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was the Taylor Swift one. It was the Taylor Swift one. For months. You're yeah. Capital fucking One. You have like eight spokespeople. You have eight spokespeople. You have all of the money. You have a literally, <laughs> and I, I, I think that this is a true figure. They have a gazillion dollars. They, they have capital in their name. Like They are built on capital. <laughs> It was $7 million to make a 30-second ad. That is a drop in the bucket for Capital One. And they just reused the Taylor Swift commercial. It made no sense. That was awkward. But the first half had the Duncan commercial with Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, which was objectively fun. That was a good Uh, one. There was no substance to it, but it was fun. Uh, we also had the uh, in the first half, the Pringles commercial. Where everybody had their hands stuck in the Pringles jar and like lawyers and doctors had their hands stuck in Pringle jars. And, like that. Pringles. Then there was eventually there was a uh, uh, an ultrasound picture with a baby having his hand stuck in a Pringles jar, which was fun. <laughs> How is that possible? It's not. It's literally <laughs> impossible. That's uh, that's. <laughs> Was anybody else shocked at the fact that we are getting fully electric Jeeps? Like the Wrangler is going to be an electric vehicle. Yeah, that's a crazy one. 
<laughs> what was the other um, electric? Uh, I'm sure another another car company where it's a lot less shocking, but like Jeep, which is like the all American brand, like they they modeled it after Humvees in the war. You can drive a Humvee down the road if you want. They're going to make that an electric vehicle. That was a crazy uh, reveal for me. Uh, we had the first look at the Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones four is coming out. And then uh, the one five. that I thought four or five, fucking, the fuck if I know, dude, <laughs> five. Yeah, sure. 17. Come on. It's the dial of destiny. <laughs> uh, and then you had the, uh, which I thought was maybe the most fun commercial of the first half was the uh, John ham and Brie Larson commercial where they were, ham and brie and pete davidson was going to make them into a sandwich with hellman's or hellman's or however the hell you pronounce the mayo company <laughs> oh, is is pete davidson a buzzkill for you guys like i i actually enjoyed that commercial i was i got it right away i'm like oh brie and ham i got you here pete davidson walks in and i'm like you just ruined it for me <laughs> I, I felt like a lot of the ads in the first half really missed for me. Like I just, I couldn't take any of them serious. And I don't know if it's because I hold them to a higher standard or I just, they just really weren't great. Here's this is, this was my thought. Celebrities and star power alone. Don't make a commercial cool. There needs to be a cool concept, a funny script, something, right? Like we're looking for humor, ingenuity, creativity, and that didn't come across in a lot of these commercials this year. I'm being a full-on media critic this year. Um, it, it didn't come across in, in a ton of them, especially in the first half. It was just like, here is a celebrity. Here is a brand that you know, and garbage. Like it was just a, a mashup of garbage. The uh, there was one in the first half. What was the Anna Ferris was in the like Garden of Eden one? I don't even remember what the avocados from Mexico. That, that was that one was really that, funny. That, that might have been the top one for me on the early going. And that was like that's a good seamless way to use a celebrity where it's not just like look at this famous person that you know. It's like no, there was a concept, there was a conceit, there was a like a story to it. That that I think was my winner from the first half, even though I forgot who it was. So then uh, we move into halftime. And Rihanna has the halftime and she had done an interview on the today show uh, with Nate Burleson, where she had announced that she would have a special guest with her at the halftime show. Everybody's pumped up. Everybody's excited. Who could it be? Will it be Jay-Z? Will it be Drake? Will Fox decide that they will uncancel Kanye? Everybody was excited to see who will happen. 12 song set list. Not a single other artist came out to perform with her. Um, it turns out that she's pregnant. That was the guest. That was the guest. Was her 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 unborn baby that was with her, uh, which I thought was cool. But did everybody else have the same like situation where they're like, I know she just had a kid, but is she? She's Rihanna. Like she's got access to whatever medical anomaly things that she she needs to, to get to look like she did pre pregnancy. Uh, is she still holding on to that weight? There's no way, right? And then. As a progressive, like she's not doing a lot of dancing. She's kind of just doing real minimal stuff. Is she? And then looking at the person you're sitting next to, is she pregnant? Is she pregnant again? She never really did. Like Beyonce did something like that a couple of years ago where she like legitimately, there was a stop. There was a moment where they looked at her and she like rubbed her belly. We're like, oh, she's fucking she's pregnant. <laughs> that was cool. the announcement. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> Rihanna didn't do that. She was just like, I'm going to make you guess. 
<laughs> yeah, which is an awkward <laughs> game to play. And like that was people are like, so she's pregnant, right? And I'm like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not willing to jump to that conclusion just from watching a Super Bowl halftime show. I'm like, I'll wait for the actual word on that one. Tyler, thoughts on the halftime show? I thought it was good. I thought the. I also think the limited dancing was the fact that she was like on a platform, like thirty feet, or I don't even know how high she was. I think up it went really up to hundred feet. Yeah, she's a hundred feet off the ground, and I don't know if I really want to test the waters on a on a platform hanging from the stadium. So. Well, I saw a meme afterwards. I was like, how come Rihanna can can stand on a platform 100 feet above the ground with no harness? But if I do it, it's an OSHA violation. (laughs) (laughs) I actually thought because like they had all those platforms and she was wearing that giant what ended up being like a cloak or a robe or something. Right. I, I was like, I wonder if there's a parachute in there. I actually thought there might have been something where I'm like, are they going to have her jump? Like, that would be so insane. But, <laughs> like uh, Lady they, Gaga did. Yeah, dude. Uh, be, people have done that. People have done that at the Super Bowl. I thought it was a... Um, I, I had to reflect. So some of the viewing party I was with wasn't as attuned to, you know, Rihanna music or whatever, but some people were like huge Rihanna fans. And I was discussing with them after the game ended. Like, so that halftime show amazing music but that was a given right like rihanna has arguably more hits than anybody else in pop music in the last like 30 years right how do you pick which songs to do there's so many to choose from she picked 12 and still didn't play some of her biggest songs right but as far as the show it wasn't a great show it was just awesome music by an awesomely talented person and the dancing was cool the like backup dancers the synchronicity that they had with each other it was like it was neat, but in the end, all of the show was just these giant platforms going up and down. And then sometimes we get a camera angle this way. And sometimes we get a camera angle this way. That was the show, right? Am I missing something? No, I think you nailed it. Which like, yeah. yeah. Definitely like the showmanship, you know, like, like you said, I think the, like the biggest moment was when those uh, backup dancers like ran out on the field like this, like they were all in D formation. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was like the biggest moment. I was like, Oh, this is okay. Like it's about to like really start now. And then it was immediately let down. I, I, when I heard she played, um, she played uh, the the song she does with Drake. The, the is it work? I don't yeah. I don't know all the names. Work. She did work. She did wild thoughts, and then she did pour it up. All the lights. She did like a whole bunch of songs where she only sings the hook. And I was like, who's coming out? Who's coming out? Who's it going to be? Is it Drake? Is it Jay Z who like runs this shit? He said every single Super Bowl now, and it ended up being nobody. I'm fine with a solo artist performance, but there was you. You guys are both right. There was no showmanship to it. There was no. Uh, I guess it. it Maybe it is. Maybe it is a staple of a good of a good show. There was no memeable moment. There was no like uh, 50 cent dropping down out of the ceiling for, you know, to sing candy shop. I, oh, the, like the psych ward into club thing that he has. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, so there, there was none of that. I thought it was fine. It was. Run of the mill. It's not even run of the mill. Like there have been way worse shows. That was a objectively good show. It just wasn't. It didn't have that extra thing. I agree. Yeah, it didn't do uh, anything more than just the music. And part of it, probably the clear limitation is like she was probably not going to do a lot of running around and dancing and acrobatics and stuff. But even I'm thinking last year with all the like when they got especially all the like West Coast rappers and stuff like they had some set design to it. They like made it. I don't know. I was disappointed. 
but it's only because I had very, very, very high hopes when they announced it was Rihanna. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, maybe the thing that we're not seeing is the fact that she was pregnant and performing and did a 12 song set list and at the Super Bowl, high stress and she's pregnant. Like maybe that is like the extra thing that we should be like, damn, that was badass because she was. Oh, it was carrying a literal badass. another human, uh, you know, with her a hundred feet in the air in a giant yeah. stadium. And she did it for free. Right. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> didn't get paid is the, yeah. uh, the way they say it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that uh, Fenty beauty or whatever other company that she's a part of saw a nice little spike in, in uh, investment. All of her songs have been streamed like so much more today than ever before, but she yeah. paid. it was a pro and, bono show. Moving into the second half of commercials. Uh, you know, the, the number one thing that I'll, I'll point out here is that uh, the farmer's dog, the subscription service that you can do for dog food, um, tear my heart out and rip it into a million pieces. Did you guys see the one where the dog was a little puppy? The girl gets old. The dog obviously ages too. And then like the final scene is her singing to this now very old chocolate lab as she's holding her, her baby, uh, in the same bed and the chocolate labs just staring at her. And it was like a total tear jerking moment yeah you're never gonna lose with the dog sorry i forgot jack doesn't like dogs at all so ignore jack tyler and i will have this conversation (laughs) you're never gonna lose with a dog commercial um there was one later on off i think it was an amazon commercial where they ordered a this dog was like destroying everything in the house and then they they bought a big pet carrier on Amazon and then they brought home his best friend which is a new dog so i you're never gonna lose with that um, the the one thing that I, I could not stand about the commercials was this Eminem commercial. The I I they made it like such a big deal that they were not going to use the M&Ms anymore. And it was just for this bit that I feel like didn't even land because you didn't sh- like you barely showed them in the ad. Come here. Come here. Can I tell you something? Yeah, we got got. We got I was going to say I, we got got by a candy company yeah. big time. You have to respect the game though, right? Like this is, this is what I said, you know, a while back with the, remember the Patriots Raiders nonsense. And I'm like, I need there to be bad trick plays so that we get good trick plays. Like, yeah, I didn't love the way that this Eminem saga played out, but I do like the idea of companies kind of covertly setting up this big commercial moment well in advance, right? Like we, we want capital one to do anything like, we want the ones who do something to do more. So I like that they went big for it, but the execution in the end was, uh, it was fun. I thought that the Maya Rudolph commercial was fun that at the end they had, you know, red in the back with the sign that's like help. And it's like, all right, now you kind of know where it's going, but it's like, I don't know, just cause you follow it. Don't, don't but hate the person. You know how many stupid people are out there? That's, that's so. And bad. how many stupid people are going to think they can buy chocolate covered clams now? Uh, I feel like not that many actually. Are you sure? I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking like a number of people who are watching the Super Bowl. The number of people who are like, I'm going to go see if this is a real product and like actually hope that it exists. It's a very low number. There's a lot of dumb people out there. Um, moving through the, the the rest of the second half commercials, Farmer Wants a Wife was like FarmersOnly.com come to life. It was awesome. It's a new <laughs> dating show that's running on Fox now. Uh, there was a the really weird rabbit hole Tubi commercial. Which was oh, that objectively was so terrifying. 
that was i did i liked the but the punchline was what the punchline worked once you're like what are all these creepy rabbits doing it's like the rabbit hole and then it was yeah. tubi it wasn't even like hulu or netflix it was tubi of all people who threw it up and a big night for tubi they had like four commercials yeah uh, the popcorners breaking bad commercial was an a plus i think it was the nostalgia of it i think that's what that's what made maybe it the millennial is showing in me maybe maybe i'm letting my millennial show a little bit dog friendly podcast her. Dog friendly podcast. Shout out Dixie. Shout out Dixie May. <laughs> no, I, I Did didn't anybody like breaking bad one. I, no, I okay. That, that, no, that's a perfect example of what you guys are talking about. Is you can't just be like, oh, cool, they use the breaking bad guys, and then be like, no, nah, but I don't really like celebrity endorsements. Like all that was was just, hey, it's the breaking, the clueless one too, the clueless one where it's like we're just gonna bring Alicia Silverstone and what's her name, Al- Alyssa Donovan. I forget the person's name, and it's like yeah. we're just gonna do the clueless thing. That commercial ended on such an awkward note. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, you know, just like let them have their movie from the nineties. I don't I don't need this. Did anybody tune in for the roast of Mr. Peanut? The full roast of Mr. Peanut with bald no, I did not. uh I did not. what's his name? Jeff uh Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross, bald Jeff Ross, yeah. Um two more that I have. The the Grease commercial for T Mobile with uh the awful auto tune on, on John Travolta. So good. Wait, was so that actually good. his voice? I don't think that yes. was his voice. It was auto tuned. But still, that didn't sound even like I give go back and listen. No. No way that's go back and listen to Greece. That is ju- that is just as auto tune. No, he isn't. <laughs> no, no, he isn't. Wait, he I, never was. Like, go back and listen to Greece. It's terrible. Wait, I just watched Greece the other day. It is very bad. A, I'm just like very hurt right now. Greece is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I think movie. I'm, I think I'm on Tyler's side. I don't think John Travolta's a terrible singer, but I think he's too old to even auto tune assisted sound like that. I don't think that was him. And I, I I need to find proof that it was otherwise. I'm maybe they just took the, maybe they took the audio of the from Greece. Like so many people could replicate that sound because that show has probably been done thirteen million times since it came out across like high schools, colleges, local theaters, Broadway, right? Like get anybody else to do it. And though I'm shocked that those Scrubs guys are still doing these T-Mobile commercials. I feel like it's been almost three years now that we've been seeing them. Nostalgia uh, and also bald John Travolta. Very fun. Very oh, fun. Scrubs. What were they? What was they? They're scrubs. Scrubs. They're scrubs. scrubs. Oh, they were Scrubs. Okay. Um, uh, did you have you guys seen? John Travolta introducing Adina Menzel. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. <laughs> oh, is that the Tonys or something? <laughs> yeah. The Tonys. And he walks up and he goes, and now the wonderful and wickedly talented Adina Nazim. <laughs> I was like, the who? <laughs> and you could tell he was just trying to fill space because he forgot how to say her name. So he's like, the wonderful and wickedly talented talented the uh, uh, dina Adele Z. delta zine who <laughs> uh, uh, my, my final question on, on the super bowl uh snoop dog how much money did sketchers pay snoop dog <laughs> noted gang member and also like big time rapper sketchers comes in and offers him a blank check how much is that check worth his street cred was on the line Wow, I think you're not giving credit to Skechers has actually, I think, secretly been on the rise. Less. I've seen more and more people wearing Skechers again, like adults. I think they're actually producing higher quality shoes than a lot of their competitors on the like open market. So I, I don't know that it's quite as far fetched as you're making it sound. But I do know 
that Snoop Dogg would be very, very, very high on the list of celebrities whose endorsements would actually make me want to buy a product. Like I am more likely to buy Skechers as a product of that commercial, which almost never happens at the Super Bowl. I think Snoop Dogg is such a good businessman because like you're talking about the guy who took off the like doggy style, his first ever album. You can't stream it anymore because he's making it in NFTs. So any way that this guy can make a ton of money, he's going to do. And I don't think a Skechers logo is going to stop him. Also, he's old and Skechers is a good brand for old people. Like Snoop Dogg is old. We have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, two final bullet points that I have. No more questions, just bullet points that I have from the Super Bowl. I thought Fox took a lot of risks yesterday with like camera angles and like different shots that they tried and stuff like that. But I also thought that their broadcast was extremely succinct and tight. Like they were really on top of their shit yesterday. I agree on that second one for sure. That was noticeable. Um, I also thought that it was a... <sighs> So curious why they had Terry Bradshaw do the post-game interview. <laughs> He's the only Terry one that Bradshaw. anyone wants to watch. No, Terry Bradshaw is like on that panel of guys. Terry Bradshaw is very notably like the Lee Corso where they're like, hey, this is the fun guy who doesn't really know what the hell is going on anymore. But you like him. So we keep him here. They could have had Kevin Burkhart go down there. Greg Olson go down there. They could have had. Literally anybody go down there other than than Terry Bradshaw, and we probably would have got better questioning of the the owner of the Chiefs, the head coach of the Chiefs, the Super Bowl MVP, and Travis Kelsey. We probably would have got better questions. Aaron Andrews was there. Uh, Carissa Thompson was there. Uh, we we also had uh, who who was the the other sideline the the gentleman Tom Rinaldi. Tom Rinaldi was there. You could have any of those people do it. You had Terry Bradshaw do it. <laughs> For uh, the birds. I've got, I've got, I've got two media uh, criticism related points. Also uh, one, I think the Super Bowl has solidified in my mind that Burkhart and Olsen are not in the top echelon of a teams. I think, I, I think in my mind, I, I was, I was warming up to him as the season went on. I didn't I didn't love the commentary. I don't think there's anything that they did wrong. I just think it wasn't as gripping. Um, And so I'm excited to see them get better. But Greg Olson specifically got a ton of praise this last season. And I think I think it's just the people's want for something new um, that I think it was like we're going to heel turn Tony Romo and like, what can we find instead? And there's so many old guard broadcasters that it's nice to see these guys who were previously like a C team duo rise up to the A team. I appreciate the story and all that. Uh, but it just, it to me did not feel like Super Bowl esque calling in my mind. I will say, go ahead, Tyler. Actually you, you, you go first and then I'll, I'll go with my point. I don't really agree with that. I, I really was, was enthralled by their, their broadcast yesterday. I thought, especially Greg Olson, I think Greg Olson did a great job from a player's perspective, like filling in fans on like what they want to see, what they want to hear. And it just kind of put like, like I'm sitting there and I understand what he's saying, especially, but like for my dad or like my mom or someone who doesn't necessarily know, like the, the bigger scale of it. Like I thought he put it into terms that it was so easily digested by them that it made it a great broadcast. And he's been, he's been doing a great, great, great job 
all season long. I think obviously next year is going to be Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt on Fox on their top broadcast team. The year after that, I would venture to say that Greg Olson ends up calling games with Al Michaels on uh, Amazon Prime. Because Tom Brady is going to step into that role in 2024. I think Greg Olson did a phenomenal job. I think Kevin Burkhart is great. He's a phenomenal play-by-play guy. I think that your first Super Bowl is always crazy. Like you, It's a moment that you always dream of as a broadcaster to do the Super Bowl. And I think next year Fox will have it again. And I think Kevin Burkhart does an even better job with it. He did a great job with it. But like... I will also say this was the first time that I felt the Super Bowl, the game itself, like the football happening was below everything else that was happening. It felt like the action on the field took a back seat. And maybe that was intentional by the NFL. Maybe that was the NFL saying, all right, we know that the football fans are going to show up and watch the game because they're football fans. But how can we get this game to everybody else who's watching? Can we elevate the commercials? Can we elevate the halftime show? Can we elevate the pregame pomp and circumstance? It was the first time that for me, all of that felt elevated juxtaposed to the football action that happened. Interesting. I didn't feel like any difference one way or the other from previous years it felt like similar balance to me in that regard um but uh oh the second criticism i have um the owner of the team should definitely not be the first person interviewed and probably shouldn't get interviewed at all in my mind because i feel like they have so little to do with the success of the team from a like interesting story to fans perspective like you go yeah the fact that it went owner head coach super bowl mvp i'm like i i will sit through the clark hunt interview so i can hear what andy reed has to say so i can hear what mahomes has to say like let me hear from the coordinators let me hear from the gms let me hear from the players who didn't get mvp like all those people before the guy who like inherited a football team. And it's like, man, you've been working so hard. Terry Bradshaw's pumping this guy up. Like you put this fantastic team together or whatever. I'm like, no, you hired people who do all that. (laughs) Like I just, there was something strange about, we just had this great game where it's all about the players, the sport, the people that go into like the actual goings on. And I just feel like the owner is too far removed and it's a weird pedestalization to put them at the spotlight right after the game ends. Sure. Especially when owners are always so far removed from the eye of the media, right? They're not doing interviews the way the GM is. They're not doing the interviews the way that the head coach is, the players are, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I'm, I'm actually right there with like, you. On did that, we yeah. hear, did we hear, was there ever a, who is it? Is it Brett Veach? Did we ever hear from the GM? No. Hmm. I don't know. Just interesting. I don't know. And, that and it is Veach. Sure. I just, I, it might be Brett. I don't know. I, I know Brett, it's Veach. Brad, something like that. Either way, Uh, Tyler, you would know you were there. You're actually probably an honorary Super Bowl champion, right? Yes, I was actually texting you about this and I was going to debate it today with you guys. I I think I'm technically like got like one eighteenth or how many games are in the season that they played? Eighteen. So 17 plus three, two, three, 20, 21. They had a buy. So so I think I get like one twenty second of a ring. So like maybe like three diamonds like just just for you know <laughs> hey thanks for coming out like you you gave some good effort um 
Yeah. Uh, I want to say big shout out though, to my, my friend, George Karloff, this for in his rookie year, he won a super bowl and he started the game and played a majority of the game. And that was really cool to see like all my family was cheering him on and uh, wanted to see him succeed. So I, you know, it was really awesome seeing him post super bowl on in the, in the group chat um, celebrating. So that's fine. And you can give him a shout out here, but now you have to make sure that he comes on the podcast. I will work. I will do my magic. I think I could, I could <laughs> the not confident magician. I just sounded like good. Good. I like, I like your magic. Um, all right. We've got a couple different ways that we can go with this guys. We are at an hour and 20 minutes. We've done a whole lot of talking about the super bowl. We can choose uh, to just go full send on this podcast and do every segment possible, or we can cut something. And I leave that up to you guys on your choose, choose your own adventure book. Hmm. Let's take a look at what's on the docket here. That that might sway my thoughts. We've got blank you very much. We've got grinding my gears, low hanging fruit, which I've already answered mine, and then hang a banner, which hang a banner has to be had. You can't cut that. We can probably roll I'm, through. A blank you might good. be to skip. I, I'm good with no low hanging fruit. I can save mine for another week. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I, I can save mine too. I think we can cut that out. Sure. We're going to cut low hanging fruit. I got mine in, but everybody else has to hold on to their fruit, their oranges, their grapes, and their bananas. They have to hold on to them. Um, let's go to blank you. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask you, there was a, an interview. Was it LaShawn McCoy who was telling everybody that the NFL is scripted? Uh, Arian Foster, right? Arian Foster, Foster, yeah. The macrodosing. Yes, on the Macrodosing podcast, told everybody that the NFL is scripted. And so at the conclusion of the 2022 season, or 20, yeah, 2022 season, I asked everybody here, what was your favorite part of the NFL script this season? I'm going to start. I, uh, I got mine. It is when Jeff Saturday became head coach. Of the oh Colts. no! This. <laughs> oh, he's back. <laughs> I got to oh, He didn't get the job, so I, this is my last oh. chance to really talk about him. Jeez! Um, but what a performance by Jeff Saturday, securing the fifth pick in the draft. I mean, fourth. I think it's the. I think it's the fifth. No, Bears, Texans, Cardinals, Colts. Um, the fourth and then the Seahawks via the Broncos. Yeah. So the fourth overall pick, even TC, he did even better than we thought. So <laughs> he, that, that's my favorite part. Wait, what? Uh, Jim Ursay said something the other day. It was like a vague comment about how they plan to fill the coaching spot. And it sort of left the door open where I saw people like, is he still thinking about Jeff Saturday? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure that the door is closed on Jeff Saturday yet. I'm sure that it should be, at least as it pertains to his next job being head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. But I don't think it's all the way shut somehow. No, I, I, I saw a couple memes of like uh, that scene at the end of. Uh, Infinity War when Thanos is done he did the snap and he sits down and he looks out like over all this beautiful planet <laughs> and it was like when Jeff Saturday sits down knowing he secured a top pick for the Colts this year and doesn't have a job <laughs> uh, I, I don't know I, I saw some uh, I, I saw what's going on there Ryan so I'll, I'll step in for uh, NFL yeah, I was chewing here. my bad yep <laughs> Uh, I bet you to have I, some snacks nearby just in case. I, I've got a real answer. Dog friendly, answer. Dog friendly pod. Great. 
uh, <laughs> my fake answer here is when the NFL told us that it's scripted. I think the uh, the leading us on with that, if that's part of a larger script, is like a what better way to pull the wool over everyone's eyes than to tell them the truth that they couldn't possibly believe, right? Um, but my actual answer as it pertains to the 2022 NFL season is I like the teams that were good that we didn't think would be good, right? I like that the Seattle Seahawks, the Detroit Lions, and the New York Giants were all like teams that all along you knew weren't going to go very far, but you felt like they had a path to the playoffs. And that bubble in the NFC made for some really fun football to watch and the NFC being kind of dry overall. Uh, I'm trying to think if there were any AFC ones that were like that. I guess the Jets to an extent had stretches where it's like, I kind of want to see what the Jets do next. So I think it's good when the NFL's got a uh, solid lower middle component of its tiering teams. Uh, That's a great point. Um, I think maybe the Dolphins to some extent were there. I think everybody had them as like God tier, but I think, I think they were still kind of middle of the road this year and they were, they kind of on that mid-tier bubble as you're talking very about. Very watchable, but not Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so uh, there's so many, there's so many different things that you could go with for this answer. I mean, you could go with the, the fact that, you know, Russell Wilson became a villain overnight. Like he lived long enough to see himself become the villain uh, and is now apparently embezzling money in his Wait, own. We didn't talk about that, did we? That was no, within this last two weeks. Oh, we said that in the Twitter DMs to each other, but oh, I can't believe yeah. we didn't bring that up yet. Russell Wilson is apparently all the money that he's raised in his in his foundation, uh, only 24.3 cents on the dollar is being spent on the actual charitable uh, actions. Oh, that's even lower so like, than the number I had seen. 25% less than 25% of every dollar is being spent on the actual, like what the charity is about. The other 75% is fuck all. We don't know where it's at. Gone with the wind. Gone it's, with it's the wind. Salaries and finances, right? No, that's, that's what financed all of the toilets in his house. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so it could be that. It could it could be that it could be Tom Brady's OnlyFans page uh, that that became That's a thing over the past two weeks too, right? Like, uh, and it, it could also be Jack, just like you said. It could be the fact that the NFL literally was like, "Hey, bet they'll never see this one coming." We're scripted. Everything's scripted, which I don't think is the case. But my, fa- I think I think it would pr- it would probably have to be the Russell Wilson thing. I had a lot of fun personally with that this year. Russell Wilson being somewhat of an enemy, um, taking the heat now off of Brett Favre, which I'm sure this is going to end up just like the Brett Favre thing, which, by the way, Brett Favre is suing people for libelous claims. Did we talk about yeah. that, too? Oh, yeah, that like, just happened. That just there's, happened. There's so God. many small storylines over the past two weeks that we haven't got a chance to talk about. Uh, Brett Favre is suing Shannon Sharp. Mm-hmm. Colin Coward. Yeah. For libelous uh, claims. Have McAfee, oh, McAfee. On there. McAfee and, and, and Shannon and the, Sharp and the attorneys of the state or something, I think, too. Yeah, a lot of for people. libelous claims. Um, <laughs> it, it could be. I mean, honestly, there were so many great there were so many great uh, 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 little side moments in the script this year. I'll just go with Russell Wilson for the sake of of wrapping this part of the segment up Dude, uh, the state of Wisconsin having a rough go of it with quarterbacks between Rogers, Favre and Russ. That's uh, that's like a, a big three of problematic in the last couple of years. It's a tainted land that that land of cheese up there. Um, also, over the past two weeks, 
Breaking back into basketball talk, LeBron James broke the all-time scoring record in the NBA, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Goat, I mean, goat status at least, right? He's he's in the upper echelon of players ever in the NBA. Um, that's not the question I asked. The question I ask comes from a photo that I saw of uh, Michael Jordan hitting the shot against. Uh, it was it was Cleveland, I believe, at the the left the left elbow moving hits the jumper. One of the most iconic shots in NBA history. Uh, there was no phones out at all. Everybody's watching intently. Obviously, there were no cell phones to take photos or videos at that time. But the LeBron shot. Same spot, left elbow, turnaround jumper, hits it, passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They have a camera shot of everybody in the stands has their phone out, flash on, taking a video or a photo, whatever it might be. I ask both of you, would you have your phone out if LeBron was breaking the scoring record? If he was a basket away, would you have your phone out or would you just be living in the moment and enjoying it? I would would say just I wouldn't have my phone out. I try to especially like when I'm out places, I try to be off my phone as little as possible, knowing how much I'm on it. Like when I'm at home. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I would have like taken a video of it. I think it's just something cool to say that you experience. Like, I don't know. I don't need it to go on my story. Like I'm not, <laughs> I have like, what? I think I have like 1500 followers. Like, I don't, I don't think any of them really give a shit if they got my angle of the shot. Right. Like humble brag, <laughs> casual quadruple digits there. Jim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some I, of us are fighting for three digits, man. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I regret. Did we just get big leagued? <laughs> I just, I just stunned him there. Oh. <laughs> just regret. That's all. Yeah, go ahead and uh, finish your thought there, high roller. <laughs> I'm done. I, can't, I don't have anything else to say. We're peasants to Tyler Lynn. No, oh my goodness. All right. Get out. Get out of here. I would not have my phone out. That's that's my my thing. Oh, awesome. I, Thank you. So highly esteemed Tyler Witt with 1,500 Instagram social followers. Media influencer, social Witt. media influencer. influencer. Um, no, I, I wouldn't have my that, phone yeah. out. Peasant Jack, please answer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've got like a 2004 flip phone. No, I, uh, I I wouldn't have my phone out. I But that's just because of who I am as a person. I'm not a big picture taker. I'm not a big video taker anyways. Uh um, like there's a very good chance that neither of you has like ever seen a picture I've posted on social media because it maybe has been years since I've put one up. Um, but I think it's, I have to frame this to what the question is asking. I think it is totally acceptable to be on your phone when LeBron breaks the scoring record here. I think that it is an iconic moment in sports history. And I think like, you know, we give praise to the photographers who capture the moment and everyone wants to be a part of it. And that's whether you want to talk about societal influence or not. I thought it was crazy seeing so many sports talking heads uh, go off about, you know, oh, you've got to be there. You've got to be feeling it. And like, you don't want to watch it through a lens. How many of us were watching it through our TVs, right? Like not everybody could be there. The whole point is you want to see it, right? Whether that's live when it happens or two minutes later when the NBA posted on Twitter or the next day on first take or in some YouTube montage in 10 years, right? Like you just want to see that it has happened. And so I have absolutely no issue with people being on their phones so that they can capture a moment that they can keep, show their friends, show their family and have for the rest of their life. I would say that I don't, 
care if you're on your phone or not. I just thought it was an interesting juxtaposition and something that I felt we could bring up on the show and, and, and hash out. And it's a fun way to kind of cover the fact that LeBron broke the scoring record. I think that I would be determined to not videotape it. But as I saw everybody else get their phones out, I feel like the FOMO <laughs> You'd be like, oh, take my over. <laughs> be like, ah, shit, I probably want, I probably, I see. Here's the thing. One thing about me is I am a memory hoarder, right? Like I don't care about like specific things, but if something connects in my brain as having some sort of, of, of sentimental value, I'll keep it. Right. Like I've got pictures and screenshots on my phone from long, long, long ago that, and there, there's memes that I'll never use, but like, there's that little thing in my head that was like, ah, I had a plan for this. I'm going to keep it around. Cause I like it. It made me laugh one time. The same thing would happen. I feel like in this situation, I'd be like I really want this moment. Like in this corner, I have a cup full of like all of the games and things that I've been to. Like when they used to do ticket stubs and stuff. I'm a memory hoarder. I don't remember half of these games. I'm a memory hoarder. Right. So you you like the you like the physical manifestation of a like this is something I did, and the physical manifestation now is a digital manifestation. Look which... at any of this. I went to a Tom Segura show. Like I, I like that. Yeah, that physical manifestation. So I I would probably end up with my phone out uh, at at the LeBron James concert or whatever the hell it's called. Um, <laughs> well, I've got to loop it back because you made me think of something with Jordan. We got to talk about one of the, it was a trailer that came out before the Super Bowl, but they showed it during the Super Bowl. The trailer for, is it called, what's it called? Air, Air. with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yes. All right. I, I try not to be the guy that leans, you know, too far into the polarized view of the like, oh my gosh, it's a movie about like the two white business guys who like profited off of whatever, right? Like I get that story. My question is, how do we have a movie that's coming out about Nike's relationship with Michael Jordan? And we didn't see Michael Jordan in the trailer. I think that's what they're trying to withhold is the who's playing Michael. Like it's already got a super famous cast, right? There's almost no way that the person they picked to play Michael Jordan is getting billed in the top six or seven. I was just like, they're going to show him at some point. Right. I don't know. It just messed with me. They they might. I I don't know. They made it seem like it's more about the relationship with the parents. Yeah. Um, But it could be a situation where they do. um, like like they're doing in like the Mandalorian right now with, you know, they they put in a young Luke Skywalker's face. Maybe oh, that's yeah. the, the route they go. Uh, I don't, we're I'm getting really de-aged sure. CGI MJ. What uh, if we didn't give them permission for his likeness? What if he's not just, the movie? What if it's just Space Jam, Michael Jordan? <laughs> wow. His greatest career. But they re- <laughs> Hold on. It's Space Jam, Michael Jordan, but they repurpose all of the lines to fit the script. <laughs> oh, dude, they go like, uh, what's the thing called? Like chat GPT was the AI thing. Yeah. But, but then they only they only like uh, ADR in every single line from Space Jam. <laughs> so, so like they rename they rename the the guys in the show ben affleck and uh uh matt damon one guy's name is taz and the other one is tweety yeah <laughs> you thought this was sonny vaccaro his name is actually bugs vaccaro now <laughs> this is wiley vaccaro yeah <laughs> oh. okay <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I still right. keep this the scene where he stretches his arm really long and dunks. 
They're like, like, like fit. <laughs> you have just Matt Damon scouting like that dude's got crazy arms. He's got <laughs> he's straight, he's straight. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy's got talent. <laughs> I made a whole shoe just for him. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, from one goat to another, I wanted to to bring up since we're going fucking full bore on this podcast anyway, we're already fucking past an hour and a half. Screw it. I gave up on trying to manage the time of this podcast like eighteen episodes ago. It's the Super Bowl, man. I bring up grinding my gears because also with the Super Bowl, we found out the 2023 uh, Hall of Fame class for the NFL, and not on that list is Devin Hester for the second year in a row. I bring it to the table specifically for Jack Coachman because Tyler, I think you and I are probably both on the same page. We grew up watching Devin. We think that he's the be all end all of kick returners and he is, uh, but for special teamers, it's particularly difficult to get into the hall of fame. So Jack Coachman, I suppose I ask you and you alone, should Devin Hester be a hall of famer? Do I have a right to have my gears grinded by this, uh, uh, what I consider to be atrocity, that he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Yes, you have a right. And it's not just that he's a Hall of Famer. He should have been a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. And I hate the prestige. We've talked about this as it pertains to baseball, the prestige of like, you know, oh, I'm not going to vote for him because this guy wasn't as good as the unanimous one. So like he should get in, but I have to not vote for him because everyone else is. I hate the politicking and the like math that goes into the Hall of Fame voting. But in the scope of like segmenting how valuable players are in the Hall of Fame conversation, if you are the best player to ever do the thing at your position in all of time, not only at the end of your career, but at the time of your Hall of Fame induction, there's still post Devin Hester has not been a more decorated, illustrious, impressive, talented return specialist, both kick and punt. I mean, who has been, if there is a more, if there is a comparison modern day, is it Cordero Patterson? Yes. I think that's the only like near, and I don't think it's close, but I think that's that's like the nearest object to it. He's got to be best. And this is just as a, and that's the thing where like, I think it's tough because you want to go over how, all-encompassingly valuable this player was. And in the scheme of things, let's say you return five kicks for touchdown. I don't know how many Cordero Patterson has. I'm going to say he's like five or six kickoff return for touchdowns in his career. He's played in the league for, what, 10 years? That's really not that impactful to a team because in the grand scheme of it, so many kicks are touchbacks. So many kicks don't make it back to the now 25-yard line. And why is that? Well, to make an impact, like, you know, it's a safety thing, right? Kickoff is still, I believe, to date the most dangerous play in football. So they they are they have put barriers in place to make returns as dynamic and successful as they once were. Right. But I also think that there's a there's an element of Devin Hester mixed in there, too. I feel like, you know, the 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 kick, the touchbacks were happening regardless of moving the kickoff up five yards or not. People did not want to risk that. They didn't want uh, uh, special teams touchdowns to happen. I think part of that was the revolution of Devin Hester. He changed the way the game happened. People game planned for a kick returner. There's maybe two other guys in NFL history that people have ever game planned for them as a kick returner. One is in the hall of fame and the other is Dion hall. Dion hall. I don't wait. Was Dion Sanders the first person you were talking about? Yes. Oh, D'Angelo hall. D'Angelo hall. Thank you. I, uh, no, that's the, that I, I would say I would contest that a little bit because I do think there's still 
a level of like dangerous kick returners, right? Like you, you're still definitely more careful with a Cordero Patterson or a Deshaun Jackson, like guys who have done it. Once you do it a couple times, people think you can do it whenever. But I, I think, again, best person to ever do the thing that he is known for should be in the Hall of Fame, shouldn't even be a question, shouldn't have to take away from anybody else because it's a part of the game that is so... I hate to say small, but it is right. Like that isn't something that makes or breaks your team. If you have a guy that can score two more kick touchdowns than everybody else in the league, that isn't going to vault you from not in the playoffs to the playoffs. I think we're going to have another conversation and I only am stealing your thunder because we're talking special teams. I think Matthew Slater's a guy that we're going to have to look at in uh, six or seven years because he's like a, what he's a 10 time pro bowler, like multiple times special team player there. He's a special team on the Patriots, but the question is, is he a hall of famer? Because how much of a difference does he make? I say the answer is he should absolutely be in the hall of fame, but I guess I kind of get why people would leave a Hester or a Slater out because, but what about like a, a Justin Tucker, a Robbie Gould, somebody like that, right? Like all of these players that like are special teamers, but like it's a three phase game. They should be in the hall of fame. Well, uh, those guys have a, a more tangible and visible impact on the outcome of a game, right? Like the, the, Right, I'll, I'll let you go before I go into that too much. If you, unless you want me to go first and then you go, you tell me, I mean, I, I just want to say, like, I feel like the impact that Devin Hester had is just, yes, I, I understand like the justification for like a kicker, like having, you know, he goes out there and he's typically, they have the most points all season because of point afters and field goals and all that. But I, I think the big point about Devin Hester is that he was like another factor, like all phases of special teams were just as dangerous because he could score at any given time. Yeah, no, without question, right? Like there aren't too many teams in the league on any given year where you're like, man, their special teams unit is so strong. We see the opposite. We had like what 2020 green Bay Packers that lost game after game because they had horrible special teams. But I think it's, it's almost more like, and this isn't my belief, but I think this is the perception. It's like punters versus kickers, right? That having a really good punter is way more game-changing than people realize because field position is so important in the game, but we see kickers because they get counting stats, right? And I think like the casual fan will see they had this many field goals, they had this percentage, and like a special a, a kick returner who averages, let's say, 32 yards per return by ha- the halfway point in the season – that's enormous because you are getting better field position than touchback on every single drive then if they stay average. But for a casual fan, what's the 35-yard line versus the 25? You're still starting in your own field. So I think that's where the perception is lost, even though, Tyler, you more than anybody would understand. Sartori and I also, I think, are sympathetic to the actual value that these players have versus the perceived value. And that's why I'm not sure why Hall of Fame voters got this wrong, because they should be the people who are in tune with actual value versus perceived value. In his career, Devin Hester, 20 return touchdowns. Uh, One on the, uh, the missed field goal from the giants. Everybody remembers that one, five kick return touchdowns and 14 punt returns for touchdowns. After him is Deion Sanders. After him is uh, Rod Woodson with 17. And then there is a steep drop off to Rondé Barber. It's like, Woodson, a Hall of Famer. Deion Sanders, a Hall of Famer. Yes, they did other things. Yes, uh, both guys were defensive backs and great at what they did. I think the bottom line is if you change the game the with the opportunities you have, 
I just think I I just don't understand how you how you don't have him in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> was there a little bus sound that you guys just heard? Yeah, yeah that, that. that was a car. I, I on the like next street over. I I thought it was the battle bus from Fortnite for a second. I kind of <laughs> lost my mind. I was like, "All right, who's dropping right now?" Wait, you guys don't know what I do during the podcasts. <laughs> this man, this man is straight dropping tilted right Dude, now. I got to get those uh, V bucks back. <laughs> anyway, that's what's grinding my gears. Uh, we're at an Might hour and so. forty-five. Uh, let's wrap up the show. Everybody, hang a banner. I don't everybody dance. Then one of you guys has to go first. I have to find my banner. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Doing this for two hours. Trying, All right. I'll hang a banner. I'll do that. I'll start. I'll hang a banner. Um, it's it's a celebratory banner. I am hanging it for MLB the show 2023. Follow me here. Uh, for the first time in a video game, uh, a, a baseball video game, the Negro leagues are going to have a specific feature in the game. And I think that that is very cool. I think that it's uh, ingenuitive and I think that it's going to be kind of game changing for a lot of people who maybe don't have the time outside of their hobbies and, and regular life to study the game of baseball or have never been the top, the game, the history of the game of baseball. Uh, the Negro leagues were so impactful to the growth and development of the, the game of baseball in America. And um, I think a lot of people are going to, learn the stories of so many people who sacrificed and put up with racist bullshit and uh, still persevered and were some of the best baseball players of all time. One of the most feared power hitters of all time is Josh Gibson. Uh, the man had set, was rumored. It's never an official stat because the stats were kind of loosely kept for the Negro leagues. There weren't as good statisticians that were keeping the stats for these, these teams and these games and in the, these leagues. Uh, Josh Gibson was rumored to have had like 80 or 90 home runs in a singular season. Um, and his story is never told because he's part of the Negro leagues. And uh, until a couple of years ago, those stats were never counted as official stats by MLB and its hall of fame. And now we are seeing the integration of the, all the history of baseball. And so I think this is just another step in that, in that progress. And I'm really happy that uh, the video game that I dedicate so much time in my life to is, is doing something uh, to, to bring uh, full awareness to the, the game of baseball. So my banner is being hung for uh, the decision-making of MLB, the show and specifically it's 2023 installment. Nice. Nice. That's good. All right. I'll, I'll slide in. I got mine. Hold up. Uh, in the week that had the Super Bowl and also Media Week, man, I used to like watch Super Bowl Media Week as a kid, like follow all the events and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't care about the week leading in. But I was invested in sports the week leading in because we had the NBA trade deadline which was such a smash hit for sports fans. I mean, it was like every five minutes, a new trade going through. This is a sports fans dream. Uh, most sports fans dreams, 28 of 30 NBA teams made at least one trade heading into the deadline. The only two that didn't were the Cleveland Cavaliers and the expected to make some sort of move, but didn't do anything. Jerry Reinsdorf, Chicago Bulls. Uh, but otherwise, like we saw superstars move. We saw KD, we saw Kyrie, we saw, Russ, you've got even like B-list kind of guys that are on the move, right? Mikhail Bridges is getting sent places. Josh Hart is getting moved. All sorts of major changes. A little bit of a talent evacuation towards the West, which has happened in the past before. And honestly, doesn't matter too much for the regular season because we get better games. Also, 
a million second round picks got traded. I don't know at what point NBA teams decided a second round pick is worth nothing. So it's like, oh yeah, we want Gary Payton. Uh, we'll give you four second round picks or like the Josh Hart one is a first round protected pick. But if it's not a lottery pick, we'll turn that into, I, I don't remember if it was four or five second round picks. That's so many. Yeah. There are only two rounds in the NBA draft, but that just added to the hype level, right? Now, does that mean that teams are now evaluating one first round pick as five second round picks because of the hit rate? Uh, it, they're, they're evaluating a top 10 pick, right? Because I think it's just lottery protected, which I guess, wait, there are 30 teams. Yeah, with the playoff expansion, there's 10 lottery teams. Um, so it's an early pick is worth that much because I, I, there's a pretty good hit rate on early picks in the NBA over the last few years. But either way, the fact that I don't think I saw any trades that were a single second round pick. It was always four or five or like the KD one had four firsts and three players for KD. And I forgot who else got sent to Phoenix in that. Um, but no, it was super exciting. And I think that's what NFL fans have always wanted. We had a great NFL trade deadline this year for the first time in maybe ever. Uh, the MLB trade deadline, I feel like is normally more like super high profile things that catch everyone's eyes and not always as many like mid-level volume. You've got some low moves you got some splashy moves. NHL, I, I couldn't speak on transfer and like soccer is a pretty big one, right? When you have that transfer window open, um, but no, NBA absolutely knocked it out of the park. 2023 NBA tra- trade deadline. You've got a banner. And rolling into mine, I'm hanging a banner for everyone is saying football is over when in reality there's football year round now. So my banner is for all the other leagues. Um, we have the XFL season that starts next week. Not a DC Defenders fan anymore, um, unless I get re-signed magically. Um, but there's some good talent in that league. Uh, the USFL, they had a couple commercial spots in the Super Bowl. Um, they're coming back in April, and that's going to be that should be exciting year two. They got a couple more hub cities. Um, you know, good talent there too, um, and of course the IFL. The indoor football league is starting. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. starting at the end of March. So make sure you tune into YouTube or your local cable. If you have a local team, you're, you'll be able to watch them for, for free. Welcome so. back to Rosemont, the home of the Chicago rush owned by none other than Mike Ditka. Actually, the in the two weeks that we've been gone, the AFL, the arena football league, the original with the Chicago rush has announced that it's coming back. So the Chicago rush is not a, not far off of a possibility. Let it be known as we wrap up this show, Tyler Witt was cut from an XFL team earlier this week, or I guess last week, and is now promoting the fact that the NFL, uh, the XFL is starting up again. This, this is not a scorned man. This is a man just looking for a shot, looking for uh, a, a roster spot, man. Like this is also a guy that loves football and is going to be watching guy, yeah. a whole lot of football coming up. Uh, a, a fun way to, to end the show there. Um, gentlemen, did we miss anything? It's fucking two hours that we've been doing this. Yes, probably a lot of things. I'm going to go to bed tonight and be like, fuck, we didn't talk about that. Uh, and when you say that, what you mean is you're going to text one or both of us or send it on Twitter and be like, ooh, we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about Tom Brady retiring. But like oh. we kind of did with his OnlyFans thing. Like that was like, it was like a one sentence mention. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Dude, it's so the Super Bowl's too big of an event. I can't yeah. remember before the Super Bowl. I'm lucky I remember the NBA trade deadline wasn't a month ago. Uh, hang a hang a banner collectively as a podcast for Tom Brady, the goat. After 24 years, he's done. Uh, the sand that he sat on for his retirement ceremony sold for nine hundred thousand dollars on eBay. Um, yeah, somebody, uh, maybe it was ninety thousand. Uh, fucking still numbers brain. Um, and uh, yeah, he retired again. So fucking see you later, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Starts by calling him the goat, ends by just saying "see you later, man." Well, we're gonna fuck, we're gonna see him in in uh, probably an NFL uniform this fall. He he did file his <laughs> official retirement papers this time around. Uh, but so he's he delayed his he delayed his uh, broadcast contract by a year. He's not starting I, at Fox until 2024, I think, right? Fox delayed his broadcast contract. Oh, Fox delayed year. To yeah, give him a, it. Was, to give him a year to uh, go for another Learn ring. how to broadcast. Go for another ring, I think. Kind of be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I've been alive for 26 years. Tom Brady has played football for uh, 23 of those, not 24. He's played football for 23 of those years. Uh, every waking moment of my sports watching career, uh, particularly with football, has involved Tom Brady in one way or another. So it will feel weird moving forward to now not have Tom Terrific as part of the regular Sunday viewing experience. Um, but again, he will be around for another decade calling football in a Fox booth. Uh, so it, it doesn't feel like we're saying goodbye to him. We're going to see him literally in two years and we're going to listen to him every Sunday. So it'll be like, he's a part of it yet again. True. True. So with that, you guys ready to like, go do something else? Yes. Yeah. You guys right, have I got dinner. I got dinner ready. Oh, uh, he can smell it. <laughs> Jack's so yeah. Tyler's going to go eat dinner. Jack's got Mahjong uh, with the, uh, uh, Bethel and Ethel and his grandmother. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to go do. Probably edit this podcast so that we can get it out before Friday. Uh, but with that, we're going to retire here in episode 21. Thanks for hanging around. Uh, thanks for drinking through the show. If you did with us, if you didn't either way, uh, thanks for enjoying it. And uh, thanks for hanging. We're out of here until next week when we come back with episode 22. There's nothing fun to celebrate in episode 22, but we'll be here. Where is there? Oh, you want to do the punishment episode next week? I don't know. I guess they'll have to see. Punishment episode coming uh, next week. Well, well, I don't want to hear this. It's confirmed. Punishment episode coming next week. Tyler Witt's hosting the show. So tune in for that. It's going to be a, a very Tyler Witt type of show. Everything's going to be bear themed. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I thought we left the bears in 22. They're back. No, they're coming. They're coming. And they're actually <laughs> on the clock right now, too. All right. We're getting out of here. Episode 21. Thanks for hanging. This is the Hanging Banners podcast. Peace. Peace. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in sports, Brian. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll have one final look at weather. Stay tuned.